Welcome to the Die Hard Hoops podcast. As we finish up the NBA season, Taylor and I want to revisit. First of all, we're in the Cold Shower Podcast headquarters in Northern Michigan. Phenomenal, phenomenal facility. Uh, I feel like a real podcaster in this studio, the mics and all this fancy equipment around. Very, uh, very cool. So we're up here, Taylor. Any thoughts on that? On you being here live, man? Sure. Um, you, yeah, it's great. The, the whole setup. Yeah. Well, the room is still a, a work in progress, but we have, you know, we got the four walls and we got the, the custom podcast table where we can clearly see each other um, as we have these important discussions about, you know, the, the Mount Rushmore slash the next five greatest players of all time in the NBA. And um, yeah, love having you here because normally it's through Zoom and this gives it a, 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 di- a bit of a different feel. Very much so. So uh, we're going to rip through our top 10 players of all time. This has been shaken up for me, Taylor. I, I, I called you out of the blue after I'd finished about 10 hours of basketball camp one day, or I was in between, I was grabbing some sushi from uh, my ear, by the way. Um, And I said, you know, I just got to get this off my chest. I've really rearranged a few players on the top 10, including putting Steph in the top 10, which he wasn't before. Uh, I have a handful of players on that honorable mention that I wanted to list as well. And so this is important to me and it's nice that we get to do it um, in person. So again, my top two players of all time, my top three players of all time, these are the same as I've listed like a year ago when we did this podcast, Jordan, Kareem, Kobe, Jordan, Kareem, Kobe, Uh, Jordan. I, I still haven't seen anybody really come close to Jordan and what he was able to do offensively, defensively, and also the mindset of just teams lost that maybe had more potential, more all around talent at times, um, had more success against other teams, but he just had, it seemed like the will to not only have his own team, game elevate but also when you went up against Jordan things just didn't go quite that well for you including uh MVP Arm Carmelone uh is just an example Charles Barkley is another so on and so forth Kareem people forget about Kareem Kareem won 6 NBA championships Kareem was a two-time NBA leading scorer four-time block leader two-time final MVP, 11-time all-defense, 15-time all-NBA. And so when you, you know, a lot of people will use the big, you know, career span for LeBron, which is, you know, still going on like almost 20 years now. Um, his career is is much more comparable to Kareem than Jordan because of Jordan, you know, not having uh, the longevity with a couple of retirements thrown in there. And, uh, it's just very interesting to see Kareem kind of get let go. Cause I know he's he was played a long time ago. And the other thing that I give Kareem a little more benefit of the doubt for is because he played college basketball for so long. If you had Kareem come straight to the league out of high school, which yeah, would have been unbelievable. I mean, his, his stats, I mean, he'd be at, 45,000 points. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just the, the insane numbers that he would have, uh, even LeBron who's approaching that would still like, there's no way he would even catch, catch uh, Kareem with some of those all time things. And then Kobe being the player that he was, obviously we've talked, uh, at length about Kobe, so I'm not going to get too far into it, but to me, the closest individual talent to Jordan, not having as much of the physical abilities, but to me, Kobe is the most skilled player of all time uh, combined with his God given characteristics, obviously the career accolades off the charts, five uh, championships, seven trips to the finals, the all NBAs, things go on and on. Um, so that's my top three. How, how about you? Yeah, it, it, it's mine's exactly the same. So I have MJ and um, that is as someone who's spent a lot of time reading and learning and, and watching um, MJ and then, of course, the documentary that came out a couple of years ago on him, the documentary series, um, to me, it just kind of reinforced at an even stronger level what I already knew. And that is that he's 
he is the greatest uh, player of all time. Just his, when you're having these discussions about the greats, the, the really they can only be done when you look at the nuances of, you know, where those players were, um, what, what their competition was like, who their teammates were. You have, you, you have to get down to the nitty gritty. That's the only way to be fair with some of these things. And so when I look deeply at the greatest players of all time and try to consider as many variables as I possibly can, you can never possibly consider all of them, particularly if these players weren't playing at a time that you were really watching basketball. But for me, when I consider as many things as I possibly can and bring up next to him, players like Kobe and players like LeBron, it's still, he's undoubtedly the greatest player of all time. and. To, we'll get into this maybe a little bit later, but there are a lot of people that are clamoring to put LeBron at this number one spot. And to me, it's just not, it's not really um, a conversation. MJ is still just the greatest of all time. And then my, my next player is Kareem too. When you look at the longevity, the career statistics, I also like to think about how he bridged a couple of gaps between um, kind of generations. Mm-hmm. So he was, um, had, had won a, uh, championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. And that just seems so when you, when you play for 20 years, so many things change. I mean, he was at this tail end of when he first came into the league, he was at this tail end of these players that you watch them and you're like, that was forever ago. Hmm. And this dude was a young guy kind of bringing up the, the tail end of the Wilt Russell um, generation and then bridge these gaps all the way to like the Showtime Lakers and the dominance that that he displayed with his size. And you're right, the fact that he played so many years in college, those would he would have been an immediate impact player, an immediate one of the best players in the NBA, even at the age of 19, if he could have jumped straight to the straight to the NBA. And that's that's got to be an additional four thousand, five thousand points that would be on his <laughs> on his resume. Uh, and so or more. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing about Kareem that we forget, Kareem, you know, a lot of times, all oh, the players that played back then, they weren't as athletic. They weren't, listen, I get that. Science has come a long way. So athletically, we're able to develop players. You know, we have more players that are elite athletically because of the science of it, right? Kareem was seven foot three. Seven foot three with extremely long arms. And a lot of the highlights now that, that we see, because it was so long ago, are at the very tail end of his, like, you know, 20, whatever year career, whatever, however long that was. I mean, there's, there's photos of him, like, at the top of the glass mm-hmm. getting rebounds. I mean, they, they outlawed dunking in college basketball because of this guy. I mean, he changed the game. He had the most unstoppable shot that's ever created in the sky hook. That's never really been replicated. Um, he could even shoot it with left, his left hand to be that skilled. He's also a good free throw shooter. So you can keep men the entire game. You can knock down free throws at the end of the game. Seven foot three, extremely long, extremely lanky, extremely skilled with his footwork, with his touch around the basket. Um, you know, the other thing I think about with great players is they would be able to dominate in all eras. And I mean, can you imagine a seven foot three Kareem running around? I mean, it would just be a reeking. I envision Kareem doing a lot of the things that Giannis does, mm-hmm. right? Except uh, he's three inches taller right. than Giannis, right? Um, so anyway, we go on with Kareem, but that's not what this episode is about. I had Kobe at four. And I'm going to preface it with this. My three, four, five, and six are extremely close. And so I want to emphasize that anytime we do these Mount Rushmore type things, just because you build somebody up, it makes it seem like you're tearing somebody else down. That's not at all. Like we're talking about the greatest players to ever play basketball, which means we are complimenting all of them. and I think extremely high of all of them. I think there is the the smallest margin for error. Like these guys are neck and neck. These these four. It's three, four, five, and six. Kobe, Magic, Duncan, and LeBron. And 
this is a big shakeup. I think I had LeBron at four or five before. Um, but as Curry won this championship, Taylor, I was really starting to look back at the other great players of all time and thinking about their career, who the players that they had played with, uh, what some of that looked like as far as their development and their growth. And as you mentioned, you got to look into all the tiny, tiny little details. And Magic won five titles. Okay. So one less than Jordan, one less than Kareem, same amount as Kobe. Magic didn't have the span, right? He uh, he got the HIV virus. You know, maybe he would have played a little bit, a little bit longer. I know he came back, but he wasn't quite upset. I mean, three MVPs. Um, you know, three-time finals MVP. He was 10 times all NBA. Like he, he, he's got the, he's got the chops of an all-time great player. But what comes down to me with some of the stuff that you hear about Magic Johnson is his ability to elevate the game of other people around him. And yeah, he had the, the smile. You hear he was one of the most competitive dudes out there. And those are the types of things I, I want to hear is he made James Worthy a better player. He, he helped Kareem like those two, two, you know, if there's anything with Kareem and Magic, maybe they hurt each other by being on the same team. Same thing we talked about with Shaq and Kobe. Um, but he lengthened Kareem's career because of how he was able to play the game. There's never been a six foot nine point guard that has played the game the way that that he does. He was able to dominate the game through passing the basketball because of his size. He was able to rebound the basketball at a high level. A lot of comparisons to LeBron in that, in that category. Um, going down the list, Duncan <clears throat> being a Kobe Bryant fan, Duncan was the only guy I feared mm-hmm. when I was thinking, oh, boy, I hope Kobe gets another championship. Hope Kobe gets another championship. I was always watching what the Spurs were doing, even if they weren't even playing each other in the playoffs and saying, man, like this guy is unguardable. And he's also one of the best defensive players in the league. And he never makes a mistake. Like just his passing, his pivoting, when to shoot, when not to shoot. The ultimate team player, uh, just always in the right spot. His anticipation skills off the charts. Oh yeah, he's also seven feet tall and can run like, like a deer. Um, I mean, to, to me, his, he's top five all time. Um, so, so that's my five and we'll talk about LeBron a little bit, but I wanted to hear, you know, how you round this list out. Yeah. So I hadn't got to touch on my number three yet, but Kobe, my bad. No. Um, so Kobe comes in at number three and this is, um, it's amazing to me as you see just this new wave of lists come out, right? Every, every NBA entity has some kind of list. Every journalist has a new list that comes out and Kobe continues to just drop down this list in a way that does not make any, any sense to me where he's coming in on some of these lists at like nine, 10, 11. And it's, it's, um, it, to me, it's, it's an absurdity. So you have this guy that he's on my top three. And one of the new pieces of information that we've gotten since the NBA's top 75 players came out is that he is one of the only players maybe the only player to win a championship without a top 75 teammate on his team. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. And he did it twice. Yes. And so here we have in this era, and I think it's going to continue to look this way, maybe with the exception of guys like Giannis um, who are going to remain with their, with their kind of hometown teams and and not seek to necessarily um, team up all the time with these other top 10 players um, is that, this dude, he won with Pau Gasol as the next best player. And Pau was a great player. He's an excellent player, but he's not a top 75 player of all time. And his impact that he had on those Lakers teams, like you mentioned Magic had in his career, he did the same thing. It was a little bit different of an approach, I think. But here's a guy who won five championships. And when we go back and look at some of the greatest players of all time, even Magic Johnson, Kobe played with some of the the least amount of talent mm-hmm. that any of these players has mm-hmm. played with. And now we have this generation of players where if they have a low two to three year window, sometimes even less, 
where their teammates aren't cutting it. They don't feel like they have the support they need. They're out. They're out of town, man. And here's a dude who <coughs> had long stretches in his career where he didn't have the kind of help that he deserved and that he needed on his team. And he was dragging them to the playoffs. And he never, he never left. I mean, there were threats to leave and go to Chicago or go to the Clippers or whatever, but these were, these were always ways just to get a little bit extra help, never to say, Hey, get me a teammate. That's uh, equivalent to me and talent or else I'm skipping town. And we see a lot of that right now. And so that's why I have Kobe up there. And the other thing too, is when we talk about looking at nuance is that the cultural impact that he had, and I know Mm -hmm. that that's, that um, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what's on the court, but you only can have a cultural impact if you're great on the right. court. Yeah. And no one, maybe outside of Michael Jordan, has ever had the same cultural impact right. that Kobe Bryant has had. And Kobe Bryant and, and, and LeBron are often discussed at the same time. Who's better than who? Because Kobe and LeBron fans are like oil and water, right? <laughs> and... Part of why I have LeBron lower on my list isn't for the cultural reasons, but it, the, the same way he treats how he's viewed in the culture is the same way that he treats how he, how he plays in the NBA. And that is to curate everything and to cater everything to what's going to be best for him. And it seems to lend itself to not necessarily having to overcome the same challenges that I think Kobe had to endure in his career. And so that's how, why I have Kobe Bryant at number three. Kobe brought it, you know, young Kobe with Shaq and, you know, even some of those, you know, leading the league in scoring. I mean, he was locked down from a basketball standpoint. He was locked down on defense. He was going to give you 30 on offense. And as you mentioned, he played with, obviously the Shaq teams were unbelievable. Some of the best of all time. Um, But uh, that second iteration where three straight trips to the finals, I mean, he was head and shoulders the best player on that team. I know Gasol had a great finals in 2010. That's what you need if you're going to win a championship, though. Like, it's, it's, you know, you need great players to step up. And uh, so you're right. It's, it's great to keep that in mind because that's a testament to what great players do, the greatest of all time do. It's not about, okay, I'm 1A in the league. Give me 1B in the league so we can play on the same team. It's no, who are my teammates? And some way, shape, or form, we're going to get this done regardless of the circumstance, whether players aren't as talented, whether players are injured. I mean, you're watching the Jordan documentary. You know, Pippen's hurt. Rodman's going out to Vegas. And they're still plugging along because Jordan just puts the team on his back. And Kobe had some of that as well. Some games, yeah, he's just unguardable. Some games, it's the will factor where you look at the stats and be like, well, he shot 12 for 25. That's not that great. Uh, but the will to win is imposed on everybody else that's out on the court. And that's something that's very intangible. You can't really measure. Um, but you know it when you see it, and you know it when you don't see it. And that's the thing with, um, you know, as we go to my number six all time, which is LeBron. That's the one thing that uh, you didn't notice as much because as you talked about, you know, no one in history has played with the most talent, as much talent as LeBron has. And so it's not that he's not an unbelievable player. He's one of the most gifted players I've ever seen athletically. Um, His passing, the way he sees the game is just unbelievable. Like him and magic probably uh, and bird, probably those three, as far as just seeing the whole court at one time is, is fantastic. Um, but you know, I, I don't think LeBron really started playing defense until he went to Miami. Uh, I think that as he started to play throughout the course of his career, um, you know, it was constantly about, okay, what are the chess pieces that I need to, put myself in a position to succeed. And partly, I mean, you can't really blame them for that. Um, But when it comes to discussing, like you're just splitting hairs here when it comes to being, you know, just fun bait of, you know, are you number three? Are you six? And things like that. 
that's when it comes into play, right? And so you look back on the careers of these players and you say one, uh, you know, had a better career than the other. It's like, yeah, one also played with, I mean, LeBron will have played with how many top 75 all-time players? I mean, like, you know, probably five, 10% of the top 75 may have been his teammates, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's just not really um, comparable from that standpoint. Yeah, and then that actually... I have LeBron at number four and number four. I think so. It's well, let me say, let me say this real quick. And this might go along with what you have to say. A lot of the argument about LeBron is that he made players better. And to me, I just don't see it that way. I, I see his game was very ball dominant. He dribbled the ball. He had a huge time of possession, which meant he was going to shoot it or pass it. And he has great court vision, so that was going to lead to a lot of assists. So I'm not saying that's the wrong way to play, but the way that he played meant that people were going to score off his passes. That, to me, doesn't necessarily mean you are the best at making people better. The way that Jordan went about his work, the way that Magic went about his work, the way that Kobe went about his work as far as instilling a mindset of who we are winners. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is the Mamba mentality, right? Mm-hmm. The ability to instill that is not measured in statistics, but when you see it, you know it. Mm-hmm. Even with Curry that we're going to talk about in a little bit, I think he has some of that. When people walk in and they're like, I got Steph Curry on my team, mm-hmm. you level up, right? And right. it was the same thing that we were able to see with Kobe, even if it wasn't, Oh, I got the pass from Kobe and I made the shot. Thanks Kobe. Mm -hmm. And and there's a big difference there. Yeah. So I'll I'll start with, so I have LeBron at number four and I know there's people tearing their hair out um, because those are probably people that think he should be at, at one Um, is that I'll start with the negative and then get to the positive is that when I talk about curating his experience as an NBA player, it was so much of that where it almost, there was as much news about LeBron and his teams in the off season as there was during the season when they're winning a lot of games and, and much of what I believe being a LeBron fan is, is saying, Oh my gosh, we just got that player. This is going to be nuts. We're going to win a championship. And then if it doesn't happen, you've turned on that same player sometimes within a matter of like nine months. So, so when Russell Westbrook comes to town, how many LeBron fans were saying, if anybody can change Russ, it's going to be LeBron. LeBron this is going to work. This is going to work. And it was LeBron's choice, right? There's no way that they didn't bring Russ to town without LeBron signing off on that. And now you have LeBron less than a year later saying he wants to play with Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And that's just that roller coaster of what being a LeBron fan is, is that he needs more help. He needs more help. Okay, we got you help. No, that, that helps not the help that we wanted. <laughs> And that's something that has always been frustrating for me yeah. to, to watch that play out. And, and you can go down the line on that stuff. When he was on a young Lakers roster, he's gathering up Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Hey, when you fall, stay down. Your brother comes and picks you up. <laughs> he damn near traded him two weeks later. <laughs> so those are the things that to me, there's, there's not the, the genuine nature that I appreciate in the true killers, which is the Kobe's and the Mike's and the Kareem's where what you, what you see is what you get. What they say is actually what they mean. And sometimes that, that double-sided nature that I've seen off the court for LeBron has impacted how I view him on the court and the amount of talent that he's played with has been undeniable. He's going to retire having played with the, the greatest combination of talent of all time. And I don't believe it's even going to be close. Like if we're talking about stars and when you mentioned that he gets this, this label of making players better, I've never seen that with other good to great players. They have always had to curtail their games and taken a lesser role and actually become lesser players. Like we look at a Kevin love who averaged, you know, like 28 and 15. Chris Bosh has talked. Chris Bosh. Yeah. So when, when guys like that come to town, they don't become better players. The players that become better players are, you know, the Mike Millers who have, you know, only one working leg 
and he can can kick out for open threes and then he can extend those guys career we talk about making players better i don't believe that guys like kevin love chris bosh players like that are going to look back or are looking back now and saying like you know i really got better when i went from averaging 28 and 15 to playing with lebron and averaging 16 and 9 i don't think that that that's the case now i still have him at number 4 like you mentioned this is splitting hairs when you start to talk about the greatest of all time. And I look at LeBron's career and the impacts that he's had on the teams that he's had. Um, you talk about the longevity and now you talk about just the absurdity of all their records that he's chasing. And I thought that Kareem's scoring titles, you know, for how many points he's had for his entire career. I never really thought that anybody was going to be able to touch that. Mm -hmm. And here's a guy who is probably going to surpass it if he stays healthy. And, that stuff is just super, super impressive. And I put a lot of stock as well into the comeback that he led down 3-1 against a great Warriors team, mm. a 73-win team, where as someone who does not call himself a LeBron fan, I was watching that series, and I don't think I've ever been more miserable over a series loss or a game that I wasn't playing in. <laughs> I mean, I looked at, I looked at what was unfolding, and I just kept saying, no way. Right. This is actually happening. He's actually doing this. He's actually yeah. doing this. And he had that meme where he's got his AirPods in and he's got his sunglasses and he's leaning against a brick wall. He's down 3-1. And he had that, that look. Now, he hasn't had that look as much as I would have liked him to have that look throughout right. his career. Again, I don't call him one of, the, one of the killers. But that was undoubtedly an all-time great, great performance and did something that I don't know any other player in this era. I think Kobe and Michael would be the only two in those conversations that would ever be able to pull something historic like that off. And he did it. He was physically overpowering. He's taking strong players like Draymond Green, putting them under the basket time and time again. And he may have even another championship if Durant hadn't gone um, to the Warriors and just created this, this super, super, super team. Um, but that's why I have LeBron at number four. I have a lot of bones to pick with him. But when I look at the totality of what he's accomplished, I think um, I just, I really, I can't have him any lower than four. Again, I, I have no argument there. I mean, if, if somebody <clears throat> put LeBron ahead of Kobe for number three and they gave their reasons, I'm not going to like pull my hair out for that. So I, I know there's people listening who are like, well, I can't believe you put LeBron. Like you, you, I mean, I certainly at this point would not, and I don't see any reason to put LeBron above Jordan and Kareem. But if you said, hey, LeBron is three, and you gave your reasons, like that's how close it is for me. And that 3-1 that comeback was possibly the best I'd ever seen someone play for a three-game stretch in the NBA Finals. Um, I'm a little young to remember fully the year Jordan average like 40 against the Suns. Like mm -hmm. I rem I don't remember like really I was a little too young for that. Um but as far as what he was able to do it was like there is this is guy is like a a machine out here right now and he's got like every answer to the equations just boom boom boom. Um so as far as that and like just that short span I mean that's about as good as I've ever seen anyone ever play. That was unbelievable. Um so rounding out the the top, my top. Have you given your six, five, and six yet? No. So keep uh, going. Keep I want to zip through them real yeah, quick. Yeah, keep but, going. Um, so five is magic. A lot of the same reasons um, that you had you had outlined, and then just again taking into account like the cultural impact. So here's someone who um, he saved the NBA. He him saved and him and Bird saved the NBA. And if you go in and and, and watch some things and read some things about that. And here now the Lakers are one of the most, maybe the most valuable NBA franchise. Really, it's because of, it's because Kareem started, the, or I'm sorry, Magic started that. Yeah, yeah. And then great players came along after that to keep the, the billing high. But Magic was such a trans, transformative player that he saved an entire league from going under. Like people, teams were it was hard to sell a team and now it's you can sell a team and team in a day for 
four or five times what you paid for it. And that is uh, directly attributable to the impact that magic and also bird had. I was watching a Twitter post about magic Johnson. It was just some of his passing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm just like, you watch this guy is dribbling again. He's six, nine. He's huge. He's dribbling down the court full speed and he's making passes Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking, how did these guys even catch this ball? And then they're dunking it and laying it in. I've never seen like bird was an unbelievable passer. Steve Nash, John Stockton, unbelievable passers, LeBron, unbelievable passer. When you watch that stuff, nobody else has made passes like that. Like a bunch of them just keep the loop running. Mm -hmm. These are new clips like year after year of magic Johnson making ridiculous, like his court vision, the best I've ever seen. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's kind of the difference. Like you watch a player like, you know, Nikola Jokic, who, especially in the half court, when he gets it at the top of the key and he can read the defense and see over top of it, he can make incredible passes in the half court. But the stuff that Magic has done is it really hasn't been duplicated. Like you said, he's doing these things at full speed. And if he's leading the middle of a fast break and he has like a wing on each side, there are countless plays where he starts to pass to this guy. And then he's like, yeah, but I think the guy to my left has 3% better chance of making it. And then he dishes it over to that guy. You got like Byron Scott running on one wing, James worthy on another, whoever. And he just, he lays out these options for his teammates that even they didn't think was possible. I wonder like Kurt Rambis, for example, he finished so many dunks and had so many layups (laughs) off of, off of Kareem. I wonder how red his chest was from the ball, just first hitting his chest before it even hit his hands. And he's just having to fumble it, catch it and lay it in. And so the stuff that he was doing was transformational. People had never seen it. People were going nuts. They didn't even know what to do with it. It didn't make any sense to people at the time. And the, the size that he had and the size he was doing at it was particularly hard for, for people to understand because this was in an age of traditional point guards. You know, they're, probably six foot to six foot three at the time. And magic comes along and just flips everything on its head. And then also jumps center his rookie year when Kareem is hurt and, and wins a championship drops a 40 piece. Yeah. So those are the things that when you, when you look back at the greatest of all time, they have these signature moments and all these guys have those. Um, that's why I got magic at number five. And then at number six is Russell, um, Bill Russell with the Celtics. It's a really difficult to go that far back in time and try to figure out where do these players fit. So you could either say like, yeah, but Russell, yeah, he was 6'11", but he probably weighed like 200 pounds. He's not going to stand up in today's NBA. Well, I look at that and say, oh, the dude would have just like been able to eat more and lift more weights and would have had a nutritionist and he would be the best center in the league. Right. And he would be somebody that could contend with Joel Embiid or all these guys um, who would just wreck Dwight Howard, even Dwight Howard's prime. And so when you look at what he was able to accomplish, um, where he just didn't lose like that. That was just his thing. He just, he never lost. And he was going head to head with another great player in Wilt Chamberlain, who is in my top 10 list. And Wilt couldn't get it over on him. Just could never get it over on him. Wilt had the stats. Russell had the winning. And that is just why when you look at his, his total career, why I have him so high in my, in my top 10, because the dude won 11 championships. So this is maybe the hardest one. I don't have him in my top 10. <clears throat> Three that I don't have in my out ten, out top 10 from, you know, an older age. I don't have Wilton in my top 10. I don't have Russell in my top 10. I don't have Oscar Mer- top 10, Oscar Robertson. Uh, those were really hard to decide whether to put him in my top 10 or not. The thing with um, Russell that I agree, like if you were the best player then, you would have the same training that everybody else has now. And so you'd be like, that. that's one of the reasons why I basically believe like, if you were great back then, you'd be great now because you'd be doing everything that everyone else is doing right now. Right. Um, some of those players are so great. I think they could probably still be doing what they were doing in the sixties or seventies and still be dominant mm-hmm. today. Like uh, Kareem that we've talked about. But the thing with Russell is there, I don't know the numbers, there weren't that many teams in the NBA back then. Right. Like the NBA was still like this very formative thing. So even it, it, to me, it was like, okay, you had these all time greats, but the depth wasn't as good. 
right? Basketball, I don't think was even as popular back then. There weren't as many people playing, you know, there was, there were maybe like eight teams in the NBA at that time. I don't know what the number was. Um, so winning that many championships, although it's the best you can do, like why hold that against anybody? Um, to me is a lot different than if you won 11 out of 13 seasons in, in today's Absolutely. game. So if you put them in your top 10, no argument here. I totally think that's, that's fine. Um, for me, it was just a hard one for me to put in. Yeah. And I think that's why these lists are really subjective is because, you know, you look at the lack of teams in Russell's era or the lack of competition If his biggest competition was Wilt, um, and there weren't really other big time centers that he was going up. I mean, there were a few, but, um, maybe not on a night to night basis. And so that's when I, as I'm formulating my list and, and looking at it subjectively as I'm like, okay, do I think he would succeed at a, probably not at 11 championships in 13 years clip, but, um, you know, if he played now or if he played in the nineties, would he have five, six championships? He probably would. And if he did, he would still be in my top 10. And so that's kind of how I justify some of those things with the older players. And you can't, you know, one thing that I hate about that, you know, generational decade kind of gap is be like, well, if you plugged this player in and had him play 50 years ago, like think of all the stuff that they would be able to do. I'm like, uh, yeah, I would hope so. Think of all the, you, if you win a time machine, right? Taylor, you're, you know, 30 years old or whatever you are. Like if you win a time machine back to when you were 20, and you knew everything that you know as a 30-year-old, think of all the different things you're going to do when you're 20. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't even be fair, right? You'd just be like, oh, I know the answer to this. I know how to do this. I was in this tough situation. Oh, I know like how I should have handled it better. Boom, 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 boom. So that's obvious. Like no one is arguing the fact that if you took somebody now and put them back then that they wouldn't have some, some success. That's not what we're talking about. Could you take a player back then, give them all the training that other people have today, and would they be extremely successful? Could you take a player that you see what they're able to do now being extremely successful and say, okay, even if you took away all the training and the supplementation and some of these things and you put them back in the day, then do you still think they would be a dominant type player? That's the argument, trying to compare people to what was going on at that point in time, which is impossible to do. That's why it's just simply a, a fun, friendly, friendly debate. So keep going. All right. So number seven, I got bird. When we talk about um, competitors and killers and all these things, bird is like you talk to, or you hear from his peers at the time, this dude was one of the greatest trash talkers of all time. He knew exactly how to push buttons and he didn't really wait. He didn't wait for his turn. Like this was a guy that as soon as he came into the league, he was going after Dr. J. Like he was ready to take these proverbial thrones from people. And he was also another guy that I look at and think about how he capitalized on his physical abilities. So here's a guy who was limited athletically. Um, he was six nine. He was tall. He was obviously oh, yeah. one of the nine. most skilled players of all time. One of the best shooters. One of the best shooters of all time. He was kind of one of the first players that really pioneered the three point line because it came in about the same time that that he did. And um, people would laugh now at how few threes he shot, but in today's game, it would absolutely be translatable. Oh, he'd be look bombing at, away. He yeah. would be shooting probably six seven threes a game, if not more. Um, at the time, I think he was maybe shooting like one or two. Yeah. Um, but to win three championships in an incredibly hard era of basketball. So here's a guy who was going against Isaiah Thomas and Dr. the Pistons J. was going against a Dr. J when, when the Sixers still had a really strong squad was going against Michael Jordan and was also one of the only guys other than Isaiah who was able to make Michael Jordan wait his turn. Like here was a here was a guy who was totally ready to to take on the league, and they said, "Hold on, you got a couple years wait yet." And he was one of those guys that was able to do that. And then we talk about kind of this 
almost cancellation effect that maybe Kobe had on Duncan and Duncan had on Kobe. Like you think about the dominance that each one of those players would have had if one of them wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Um, how many more championships are they winning? Well, how many more championships is Bird winning if Magic isn't around? Same thing with Bird and Magic. Or yeah, is I mean, Magic they won, winning? They won eight out of the 10 titles in the 80s. Yeah. Those two guys. And also just ex- like, just go back and and read some of these things. But you talk about the the Lakers and the Celtics and those rivalries that just go as far back as you care to look. And we're so fortunate that bird ended up on the Celtics. Like if we talking historically and so fortunate that magic ended up on the Lakers mm-hmm. because it just continues this legacy and this rivalry that ends up benefiting the entire league because you, it, it attracts eyes. It draws people mm-hmm. to this entity and then it strengthens the other teams and, and other cities are like, we got to get on board with this. And just the impact that that bird had him and him and magic were truly just these drivers and in a way that saved the entire NBA. And so that's why I got bird number seven. And then um, at my eight spot, I got Steph. Wow. Wow. So you got him even higher than I do, even though I was like, Hey, he's in my top 10. Wow. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. We have a little um, discussion about that, but you have Duncan really high. I have Duncan at nine. And, um, interesting. So I have Steph higher than, higher well, go, than Duncan. go through your top 10 and let's come back to, to Steph. All right. So Steph at eight, Duncan at nine and Wilt at 10. Um, I think that the Steph Duncan conversation is a really difficult one. And even I could just swap those two and probably feel pretty good about it. Um, but when I, when I look at what Steph has done and also consider what I think he's yet to accomplish, I feel pretty comfortable putting him um, near Duncan. And that's, that's kind of why I gave him the edge on that. And the, the thing about being a Kobe Bryant fan is that you pay really close attention to Duncan's um, history and his experience with his organization, his career. And part of why I have him so low on my list, and this is to the benefit of somebody like Steph, because they're very similar in the way that they lead their teams and I think the way they impact their, their teammates and their organizations and their loyalty. And their humility um, is Duncan was protected by the Spurs in a way that my favorite player, Kobe, never was. He didn't have that benefit of, hey, hey Timmy, take yeah. a break tonight. Great program. Yeah. Um, Culture. You're going to rest. And so you're going to have many, many seasons of not really having to play all 82 games. And that really, the Spurs were at the forefront of that. Popovich was at the forefront of that. I'm not upset about it other than the fact that maybe it's led to other players taking that approach, but even amplifying it like, Oh, if Duncan played you know, 75 games, took a few nights off, that's one thing. But now we have players who are like just kind of expecting to play like 55, 60 games. And they're not even that good. And they're not as good as Duncan Compared to Duncan. Yeah. And they're not able to, to go to uh, the finals half of their half of their years. And so um, that was one of those things that I've, often thought about Duncan is that he had a really long successful career, but he wasn't there every single night to me in the same way that a player like Kobe was. And it's also one of the reasons why I'm have questions about LeBron at these last stages as well is that if we're going to say that LeBron is um, in such peak physical condition, doing all these things that no other person can do, we also have to recognize that he is picking and choosing his spots. And so when we talk about the greatest players of all time, I'm going to look at some of those things too. Listen, I get why players don't want to play every night. It's really, really hard, but I'm going to talk about that when we bring up these players. The Duncan thing, you know, we've talked about LeBron having great on court teammates and you say the same thing about Duncan, as far as his situation, the organization, how they were able to really build around him. There was never any, you know, strife within that team really until Duncan was, you know, on his way out and they had the Kawhi uh, thing or was Duncan even retired by then? Is he helping out? I think he was a assistant coach at assistant. that time. Maybe. Yeah. So Couldn't I mean, talk Kawhi into staying. I mean, he comes in and he's got, uh, you know, David Robinson as a, as a mentor, who's, you know, a former MVP player. Um, so you just had a great buildup around him. So very different situation, 
than LeBron as far as his teammates. But you're right. I mean, he he stepped into a position to be successful. And, um, you know, that team that he joined was probably was generally like a Western Conference semifinal type team. It just so happened that David Robinson broke his foot. And so they dropped. Mm -hmm. They win the lottery. David Robinson comes back healthy. You return all those guys. So, you know, maybe we need to give David Robinson a little more credit. Here's like a former MVP. NBA leading scorer, you know, top whatever player of all time, he gets hurt. They go from a playoff team to a lottery. <laughs> then he gets healthy. Duncan comes back. Boom. And they're off and running. And I think Robinson was there for two of those five titles with, with Duncan. Um, so that's very interesting. So I listed my top six and I said, again, Kobe, Magic, Duncan, LeBron, all neck and neck, those four uh, for number seven. I have Shaq simply because Shaq to me was the most dominant force I've ever seen. Um, I think talent wise, he had the ability to be a top, you know, maybe one, two, three player of all time, just as far as his, his physical nature, his ability. Um, and that's not being able to shoot free throws. That's not being able to do just, I remember going to five-star basketball camp and uh, they had some NBA scouts and stuff there um, to, to coach us. And we had a Q&A and one of the kids asked one of the Golden State Warrior scouts, um, it was actually Hubie Brown's son, and he asked him, you know, what's Shaq like? And uh, he said, imagine a refrigerator with arms, legs, can run, jump, and do everything. He's like, that's Shaq. It's like a refrigerator running around. And I'm just like, what a crazy visual that mm -hmm. is, because we all know how heavy and hard it is to move a refrigerator. Um, but that was what he was like when, when he was especially with the Lakers. And even that first year, um, you know, he was close to an almost one MVP actually that year that he joined uh, Miami. He was unstoppable. He was unstoppable. And I think the only thing keeping him this low on the list is the fact that he liked to enjoy the celebrity status and the having fun and all those things. But uh, as far as being a, a physically dominant athlete i've never seen someone who's, who's that big that strong that fast can jump that high um have that much just god-given talent and knew how to use it like he he was not just blessed physically he's like i know i post up and i will dunk you into the rim mm -hmm. and i will break the backboard i mean the guy was breaking he was bringing the stanchions down he was smashing the glass he was tearing the rim when this was like no longer like this isn't the eighties with mm -hmm. Daryl Dawkins, right? Nobody's breaking the backboard. And then there's one guy that comes in he's breaking like five backboards in a season, like ridiculous stuff. Um, just a absolute specimen bird. I had at number eight. If you think that's too high or you think Larry bird, like he would never be that good in today's game. You're lying to yourself. Who just won back-to-back -back MVPs? Ask yourself, who just won back-to-back -back MVPs? Probably the slowest guy in the NBA just won back-to-back -back MVPs. And this guy is not as good as Larry Bird was, right? So if you don't think you could put Larry Bird into the NBA today and he would be killing people, take a look at what Jokic is able to do in today's game. Not barely dribbling. Barely moving up and down the court. He's got back-to-back -back MVPs and he's one of the top, you know, you'd argue top five players in a very deep NBA. Now imagine Larry Bird who can shoot better. Who's, you know, his, just his IQ and, and from all we understand about Bird, like this dude was cutthroat. Like he was the biggest, best trash talker of all time. Like this dude was a winner. You know, he's going into the, three-point contest being like, who's getting second, right? And then he's going in and he's just doing his thing. Anyway, I go on and on about Bird. I have him at eight. I have Steph at nine. And I have Hakeem at 10. Mm -hmm. This was tough. This was tough. But, you know, I grew up. Hakeem was my favorite player for a stretch in the NBA um, when they won those two titles. I mean, he was, you know, 6'10". He could, his fadeaway, his spin move, his pivoting skills, uh, he was truly unguardable on the offensive end. And he was also a defensive player of the year. 
you win you win two titles back to back. Obviously, you know you got the championships to back it up. Very rarely done teams that repeat. And uh, his overall skill, just to me, was like this guy was. I guess I haven't really seen somebody play like him. You know, even even now today, and I know the post game is is getting a little farther out, but he would like. He was a post player, but he was also facing up and just going by you at 15, 16, 17, 18 feet in a really unique way that we just don't see. And maybe we'll never see again, which is kind of sad. Um, but his skill set and his footwork, I mean, when I think of great footwork, I mean, it's like him and Kobe, the two best players ever I've seen as far as how unbelievable their footwork is. And, you know, right hand, left hand, he could slam on you. He could, you know, bring it up on the court. He could run and jump like everything wanting a basketball player Hakeem could do. So, um, but that was tough thinking, you know, where does Wilt go? Where does Russell go? Where does Oscar go? Um, you know, KD at a point in time might've been around 10 for me, but you know, when Steph won this, it just kind of solidified that no Steph is, he's the building block. He's driving the bus. He's driving the bus. He's the foundation. He is the, he's the president, you know, he's whatever. He's the one that, you put him on first and then you figure out what to do after that. And the, f- the fact that he was able to win with three different teams, I mean, Clay and Draymond and him, I mean, those, those have been the three, right? They've plugged in variety of players around them. Right. And so when, when they won this year with Wiggins, who I didn't think was, um, I mean, he played better than we thought, right. We can all admit that when they won this year with Wiggins that told me when they got KD, they could have won those two titles if they had another high level player, Mm -hmm. just not KD. Right. It didn't have to be KD. Who's one of the best players in the world on the team. It could have been somebody like Andrew Wiggins. Mm -hmm. They're still winning. Harrison Barnes. Yep. They're still going to win those titles. So, I mean, I, if they kept Harrison Barnes, maybe you need a player, maybe just a little bit better than that. Cause I just think those Cavs teams where LeBron was, was LeBron was crazy good um, at that point. But that just told me, even though Kevin Durant won those finals MVPs and rightfully so, I thought he was uh, the best player in those series, but there's a difference between playing the best and being the most important player and the player that, drives winning the most like you could be a you could quote unquote be the best player in a series but not necessarily be the reason why that team is the championship team the way their offense is structured the way that they play even getting KD over there was a testament to you know how both players were able to shine and and some of uh Curry's strengths in his personality and how he carries himself the type of teammate and person that he is um, all of those things go into the fact that, I mean, this guy's won four championships now. He's won the same as LeBron. He's won one more than Bird. He's won two more than uh, Hakeem. He's won the same amount as Shaq, right? He's two behind Kareem, two behind Jordan. Um, I mean, you're, you're looking at what he's compiled now as a, a player, and it's very hard not to put him in the top 10, especially when you consider to me, comparing him to some of the other greats, he also were the KD thing overshadowed a lot. We're like, this isn't fair anymore. It wasn't fair. The team won 73 games. If Draymond doesn't get suspended, I think they flip-flop those championships. I think LeBron wins one that the uh, Warriors won and vice versa. But the ability for him to have different pieces throughout the course of eight seasons when four championships during that span is top 10 all-time player type stuff. And that's not even getting into the fact that this guy has actually changed the way basketball is being played. I mean, you get extra bonus points for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly why I have him at number eight is because of those things. You have this impact on the league. And that's something that I think a lot of these players have in common is how they impacted kind of the entire trajectory of the NBA. Um, Steph has done it in a way that like, of course, MJ did it, 
And then I also think to a, a slightly lesser degree, Kobe did it. When we talk about the global global superstardom, the fact that his shoes are the most worn by current NBA players, the fear factor that he put into the, the visible fear factor that some of these guys were able to put into their opponents. Steph does that where as a, as a competitor and Steven, you know exactly what this is like in moments where you're having a really difficult time containing a player and they're just giving it to you. It doesn't matter. You still don't show that you're frustrated or that you don't have an answer. Like you don't visibly show that right. Steph forces that out of people. Steph forces that out of defensive player of the year. Mark shaking their head. Just they're, they're just saying you were, they're yelling at their teammates. You were supposed to be there. Right. And the dude's like, I was there, but it's a matter of inches and you have to get there or he's going to make the shot. And just the, it's like a world till a court tilting impact that he has in a way that no other player has really, has really done that in the same way. And that's why he is this pioneer because of the way he's brought the game out to the three point line and how he can, he can scare you by being off the ball in a way that still draws multiple defenders just being on the court from just being, just being out there. And then you combine that with clay too, where he also is like a, a court shifting shooter. And when you, when they both, even when they don't both have it going, just their, their mere presence, but it's Steph, especially gravity. They have gravity that nobody else has. Exactly. And that also rings true with the impact that he has on the arenas he goes into. And this was one of the things that you would see with Michael Jordan. It wasn't just a few jerseys that were sprinkled in, in the, um, in the home teams. Like if Chicago goes to a different city it wasn't just a few Jordan jerseys sprinkled around. It was actually like if if MJ was playing well enough and he was doing things that the crowd hadn't seen before, he will shift that entire crowd like to cheering game. for him. He turns <laughs> it into a home game. Kobe did the same exact thing. Kobe did turn a lot of away gyms into a home game. Exactly. Yes. Yep. And Steph does that same thing mm-hmm. where you go to a game and you're rooting for your hometown team and you're like, man, I really hope they can beat the Warriors. And then all of a sudden Steph has six threes in a quarter and you're just like, I think I'm just going to cheer for this guy tonight because right. he's shown me things that I haven't seen before. And that's the impact that he has. And it, it's not just the entertainment value, even though that has um, a lot to do with it, but it's the fact that it's led to the winning and he's done it all while being um, less physically gifted than a lot of the players. And he was someone who came in and he was a lottery pick, but there were two other point guards picked ahead of him. He was expected to maybe just be kind of a streak shooter, uh, a small off the guard, off the ball type of guard. And he made himself into something that no, no one, no one could have predicted. This is not a number one pick that people were hoping would pan out and be something special. This dude was thought eh, he's going to be a decent player because he's such a good shooter. He changed himself into he created him. Uh, yeah. It created himself. The finishing, the strength. Like, yes. He built that and back-to-back MVPs and now the four championships. And those are the things that I find so impressive is that he's done all that. And he has the respect of the peers. Like he's able to strike fear in them in a way that a lot of other guys don't do. And um, I think just that impact along with now his accolades um, is why I think everybody needs to feel comfortable putting them in the top 10 putting him in the top 10 and understanding that I don't think he's done climbing up there yet. I think it is possible for him to pass a player like bird um, where if he keeps racking up championships, um, you're going to, you're going to have to ask yourself like, what, all right, why am I hanging on to, to bird being ahead of him? Um, And so that's, that's why I got Steph at number eight and I feel really comfortable with that. No, I I agree a hundred percent. I mean, he's, if he wins another title, I mean, that's five. Kobe has five, Magic has five, Duncan has five, that he has more than LeBron. He already has more than Bird. He'll have had more than Shaq. I mean, you're you're looking at the greatest players of all time and saying there's really not many all-time greats that have led their team and have more rings. You got to put them up there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, man, this was a really cool conversation outlining. I'm sure we have a lot of people that are upset, but these are – this is – getting into the nitty gritty and, and, and why we have players where we do you, you discuss things that 
you don't even have to normally discuss when you're trying to make a current top 10 list of players that are currently playing now, because you have to look at all the factors. You're looking at the cultural stuff. You're looking at um, the, the entire resume as well as the teammates that they played with. And so those are just some of the things that I use to compile my list. And this thing could shift um, tomorrow. If could totally changes. shift. And, you know, I, even, you know, your Russell thing, I'm like, maybe I should put Russell back in my top 10. Like even you, like you, you saying everything you said, I, I w- you were convincing. I mean, I'm like, man, maybe I messed this up. Maybe oh. I need to put him back in. Like that's how close it is with the majority of these guys. We have all the respect in the world for all of them. These are the best in the world to ever do what they do. And again, I'll, I'll say it again, just cause you're putting, you know, just because you're talking about someone's accolades, it makes it sound like you're putting someone else down and yeah, I, I get that. I understand it's, it's human nature, but in this situation, we're clearly not trying to do that. These guys are the, the best to ever do it. And there's, there's a lot handful of other people that we could easily put in the top 10 uh, as well and try to try to back up. So it's fun. It's one reason why I like the podcast because at the very least we get to explain in detail, you know, why we feel the way we do. So appreciate you guys listening.